The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. How many of you believe that this year is going to be a year of blessing for you? How many of you got that? How many of you think that this year is going to be a year of terrible curses for you? Anybody believe that? Huh? Okay, that's good that you all believe that this year. Because I really want to declare to you this year, 2012, the year of blessing. I want you to grab hold of that. I want you to just get it into your spirit that God wants to bless you. He is a God of blessing. Turn to the person next to you and say, God bless you. That wasn't too hard. That wasn't too hard. Now, now, now tell them it's time to start believing it. Come on, folks. It's time to start believing it. We've made God bless you such a cliche. Hello? We've made it such a cliche that, that it's like, how are you? It's just, we don't even know what we're saying when we say, God bless you. But to say, God bless you, and there's a war. It's coming. I can, I can feel it already coming. That'll shock someone when someone says, God bless you. Say, so, oh, I can feel it already. <laughs> It's a great response. I, I, I've been doing a series, and, uh, and the series is called Get Ready for Blessing. And, and so I now have a new PowerPoint presenter, Drew Castle. Stand up, Drew. Drew Castle, the man. So uh, Drew's, Drew's doing my PowerPoints now. Carissa was doing it, but she's been uh, been hauled into children's ministry and and so uh, so drew's doing it for me so get ready for blessing i believe that god wants to pour out great blessings upon you this year and as i've been saying in this series on get ready for blessing there are two types of blessing there's the conditional blessing and the unconditional blessing the conditional blessing is right through the scriptures where god says if you do this then i will do that and you can't escape from the conditional blessing. Like if some people get really disappointed. Oh, I'm not getting blessed. Well, maybe you're looking for a blessing that's got a condition attached to it. And so if you fulfill the condition, then you'll get the blessing. And in Deuteronomy 28, the, uh, the, the one that I spoke about a few weeks ago is the blessing that comes from obedience. Oh, let me tell you, probably one of the greatest conditions that you can abide by is the condition of, bless, of, of obedience. And in Deuteronomy 28, God speaks to the children of Israel just after the, the, they've come out of the wilderness. They were about to go into the promised land. And he says, listen, I want to bless you, but it's conditional on obedience. If you will obey me then I will bless you. I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in the country. I'll bless every part of you. But if you don't obey me, then you're going to miss out. You're going to receive the curse. So there's blessings that are attached to obedience. Then we spoke about the blessing that is attached to unity. Psalm 133, it says how beautiful, how wonderful it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And then the psalmist begins to describe what unity looks like. And then he concludes the psalm by saying, and it's right at that spot that God commands the blessing. I, I really believe that there's incredible blessing in unity. How many families do we have here? Give me a wave, all the families. You know, one of the greatest things that you could do is to bring unity into your family. 
just to create unity in your family. One of the, one of the best things that you can do is to sit down with all your family members and say, and say, how can we make our family even better? How can we make our family even happier? What can we all do to contribute to the love and unity and a sense of peace in our family? What can, how can we contribute? Parents, don't leave your children out of that little exercise. Bring them into the exercise and be amazed at what they say. Because I'm telling you, there's contribution from people that you don't think can make the contribution, but they can if you open your ears to them. There's something powerful about unity, and God says there are commanded blessing. And I want to say to you that one of the things that the enemy wants to do is to bring division. That's, he loves to bring division. He, he'll try to bring division into marriage. And let me tell you, it's, 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 and one of the things that we're doing at the end of this month is, is, uh, is showing you some DVDs by Mark Gungor. Anne and I watched them when we were on holidays. And we thought everybody needs to see this. This is awesome. This is one of the best video series I've ever seen. The guy is hilarious but powerful. So he doesn't give you just a little bit of fairy floss. He gives it to you left, right, and center. And it's just awesome. So we're going to show some of the videos that are designed for the adults to the congregation. And it's, it's beneficial for anyone. Then there's two videos on sex that we will only have for marriage and those that are about to get married. And, uh, and then we've got another series that we're going to show young people that's specifically designed for them. And just to give them an understanding of relationships and how to prepare for right relationships instead of getting messed around with wrong relationships. Who, th- who thinks it's a good thing to teach our young people? Absolutely. Love that. Great teaching. But there's this, there's this blessing that's connected to unity. So strive for the unity of the faith and strive for the unity of the church and strive for the unity of your family and strive for the unity. Wherever there is unity, there is blessing. It's as simple as that. And then there's another conditional blessing, which is the showers of blessing. Who wants God to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon them so they can't contain it? Well, that blessing is conditional on generosity. God says, if you give, I'll give to you, press down, shaking together, running over in your lap, but it's give and I will give to you. It's like this, come on, you be generous, you show me your generosity and then I'll show you mine. And friends, you want to see the generosity of God? Just be generous. Be generous. Be generous. Be open. Be generous. He's, he, he's a good place to start generosity. Be generous with your compliments. You know, be generous with a, with a kind word. Come on, it can't be that hard to say to someone, you're looking really good today. Why don't you try it? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're looking really good today. Oh, come on, some of you are already struggling. You're looking really good today. There you go. <laughs> you're sitting by yourself, so I'll say it to you. <laughs> now, what, what, hang on, that's enough. Whoa, stop. Too many kind words. You've, you've gone to extreme here. What's the matter with you people? <laughs> you love each other. Oh, that's so nice. Just, there is, you know, if you were generous, you'll always have friends. <laughs> that's right, Phil. <laughs> you will. You'll always have friends. People, there's just something nice. There's something nice about generous people because you've got to be nice to start. Because niceness gets generosity happening. 
So if you're just a mean old coot, you're going to be pretty <laughs> generous. But God says, you know, test me in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. And he's talking about generosity to the work of God, generosity to the church, and keep that in mind in your generosity as well. Then when we get to Ephesians chapter 1, and that's, wow, that's still in my introduction. I haven't even got to my message yet. Gen- Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, I, I tell you what, I'm just right into this message. Just, it just, it just blesses me. And uh, how many of you know that for preachers, they get the blessing first and then we give it to you. It just sort of overflows from us. And so then in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul does this beautiful, beautiful passage of the in Christ blessings. And so these are the blessings that belong to those that are in Christ. You say, well, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means that you have made a decision to ask Jesus to come into your life and you've stepped into this phase which is called in Christ. So I'm in Christ because Jesus is in me. I'm in him, he's in me. We, I'm in Christ. How many people do we have here that are in Christ? What a wonderful place to be. You're either in the world or you're in Christ because you can't be one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. He either has all of you or has none of you. That's the way that it is. So get out of the world and get in Christ because in Christ is where the blessing is. In Christ is like the roadway of blessing. And outside of that road, the blessing doesn't fall. So, so outside of that road, there are curses. Outside of that road, there are dangers. Outside of that road, there is pain and tragedy. And so you start walking in the road where Christ is and you're in Christ, then blessings fall on that road. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, by his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will you say whoa that was a mouthful there were some blessings here the first blessing is the and i spoke about this a few weeks ago every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in christ my my friends let me tell you something The most precious blessing is not the physical blessing, it's the spiritual blessing. And too many people have only got their eyes on the physical rather than the spiritual. And the Bible tells us that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You know what's a spiritual blessing? To have peace, to have hope, to have love. They're the spiritual blessings, to have acceptance from God. These are the spiritual blessings that's available to every christian that's in christ then it goes on and it says not only do you have every spiritual blessing but you have the blessing of holiness oh what a wonderful thing it is to be holy to be to be declared holy by god not 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 a sinner but a holy man how wonderful it is too often we see ourselves as sinners whereas if you're in christ he sees you as holy we spoke about that we spoke about positional 
positional holiness and progressive holiness, positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. And that is what that means is that he in heavenly places sees us as 100% holy. That's what it is. We are in God's eyes. He sees us just the way that he sees Jesus. Perfect. But then we have the progressive. So we are in this world, working through our salvation, working through our holiness with fear and trembling, there's this progressive side where we are on this journey of wanting to get more and more right. We are wanting to get things better. We are wanting to become better people. We are wanting to do things a better way. And that's progressive and that's fine and that's great. But in God's eyes, we are 100% holy. How awesome is that? That is just magnificent. And then we saw the blessing of sonship where we are adopted into God's families, as into God's family as children of God. Not just foreigners that got a bit of, 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 of grace, but he actually brought us into the family and adopted us as children. And we are now children of God part of the fair how awesome is that you cannot you cannot put an estimation on how wonderful that blessing is so today there's two more blessings that i want to focus on that's just a recap of the last few weeks i want to talk to you about the blessing of forgiveness and the blessing of revelation today in ephesians 1 verse 7 it says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us three words stand out in this scripture first word that stands out is redemption everybody say redemption the simple definition of redemption is to buy back that which was lost or that which was taken or that which was pawned to if, if you go to a pawn shop and and you redeem you buy back that which was pawned that which was lost that which was put aside to if if what happens is this is that in south america sometimes people are kidnapped and uh, and so a, a ransom is paid to free those people that are kidnapped when you pay that ransom, you redeem the person and they are redeemed. They come out of a, of a situation of captivity and now they receive freedom. You say, how does that work with us? Were we kidnapped? Well, let me tell you, sin kidnapped us. Sin kidnapped all of us. Sin put us into a prison. Sin imprisoned us. Folks, you're going to need messages in this church that you don't hear too often but i'm going to preach the gospel the way that the gospel is meant to be preached and that is to put an understanding on people that we have sinned and sin is abhorrent to god sin offends god and because sin offends god it delights the enemy how many of you know that just as god is real there's an enemy that's real and he's biggest deception is to make people believe that he doesn't exist that's the greatest lie that's ever been told by the enemy is that he doesn't exist but i want to tell you just as god exists the enemy exists just as there's the the creator of the universe that's all good and all holy 
There's an arch enemy called Satan who is all evil and is at work to try to destroy everything that is good in this world. And so right from the beginning, he tempted humanity to disobey God, to rebel against God, and to live a life of sin. Bible tells us that sin is still at our door, crouching there, trying to take us captive. And we have to, as, as people, understand that there is a fight and the fight is against sin because sin will imprison you. Sin will captivate you. And, the, and, and so this is what Jesus did. He looks and he sees the whole earth in prison. Every man, woman and child in prison. In the prison of sin. And the jailer is Satan. And he's got the keys and he's locked the prison's doors of every man, woman, and child. Why? Because everyone has sinned. Everyone has come short of the glory of God. So what Jesus did, and this is what God did when he looked from heaven and he saw humanity in prison. Humanity locked in prison. Now, now, see, I want to make this picture very clear to you because the world gets really upset when preachers like me preach these messages. But this is the foundation of the Bible. This is the foundation of the gospel. This is the foundation of scripture. If you can't get hold of this, then you're just going to have another philosophy rather than the truth of the scripture. When God says he looked at the world and he loved the world, he loved the world that was in prison. In the prison of sin with the jailer Satan saying, I've got them where I want them and they are in prison separated from you. So you can't be in prison and have freedom. In prison, you lose your freedom and in prison, you're separated. But this is what Jesus did and this is what redemption is. Jesus came to this world and paid the ransom to unlock every single prison door. When Jesus died upon the cross, when Jesus shed his blood upon the cross, when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're talking about the blood that Jesus shed when he paid the sacrifice for sin upon the cross. On the third day, he rose from the dead to prove that everything he said was true. His death and resurrection, they were the ransom price to unlock the prison doors and what Jesus did he took the keys of death and of Hades from the enemy and now he holds the keys and every single prison door has been unlocked the prison has been unlocked the doors are open And the beauty, and the beauty for you, this is the beauty. How many Christians do we have here? Give me a wave if you're a Christian. What, the beauty for you is that somewhere in your journey, you heard Jesus calling, saying, come out of your prison, come out of your cage. The door has been unlocked. You heard the voice. You heard the call. You stepped out of your prison doors. You stepped out of your jail. You stepped out of your sin. You stepped out of your darkness. You stepped out of your captivity. You came into the light where 
you are embraced by Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the light, the bread, the wonderful Lamb of God, the Holy One who embraced you and said, now let me take you into an abundance of blessing. This is the, this is the fact that he opened the prison door for every man, woman, and child. That neighbor, that friend of yours that still doesn't know God, his prison door has been unlocked. He doesn't know it. He can't hear the voice saying, come out, come out of the prison, come out of the darkness into the light. You know why? Because in the prison of this world, they've built nice little comfortable levels. And this is what I find. I find that that some people have made their prison incredibly comfortable. And you know what? There's a lot of good people out there that have got no idea that the little world that they're living in is the prison of sin. They've got no idea because they've made a nice, beautiful, little, comfortable corner in their prison. They've painted the walls, they've put nice pictures up, and it looks comfortable, but they don't know that it's in the prison of sin. Then there's other levels in this, in this prison of sin where, where you've got some levels where the depraved people live. And in their depravity, man, there's just, there's, there's no pretty pictures on the wall. Everything is just, is just it, it's a mess. And they know that they're in the prison house. They look at their mess and they say, man, I'm in bondage. I, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm in a bad way. I'm in a bad state. They know that they're there. And you know what? My attitude is, I'm going to talk to whoever will listen. You know, if, if the good people won't listen because they don't feel they need my message, then let me talk to the depraved people that know that they're in sin, that know their world is terrible, that know that they're in a just, a slime hole, and talk to them and tell them the penalty was paid 2,000 years ago. Your prison door was opened 2,000 years ago. You don't have to live there anymore. Jesus paid the price. Come out of darkness into light come into the kingdom of God oh my goodness do you know what I can never get tired of telling this message I've been preaching it for over three decades and you know what when I was praying this morning I'm still bawling my eyes out on on my notes just on my bible I'm bawling I'm crying like a baby saying Lord this this message moves me this message touches me there is nothing more beautiful than this message of redemption redemption oh the second word the second word is forgiveness I love this this is the blessing of forgiveness This is what it says. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. When Jesus forgives, he forgives completely. How many of you you have been in situations where someone has said, I forgive you. And then a few weeks later, you've done something wrong. And it all comes back. Not only what you did the week before, but what you did last year, what you did 300 years ago. It all comes back. It's sort of, and you say, but did you really forgive me? Well, you haven't shown yourself to be worthy of forgiveness. It's God is different. 
The incredible thing about God's forgiveness is that if we are truly repentant, everybody say truly repentant. That's the key, folks. That's the condition. The condition is true repentance. And repentance means understanding what I did wrong and being so sorry and remorseful for what I've done wrong that I never want to do it again. That's repentance. And when we truly repent, God's forgiveness is so complete that he blots it out. He actually, this is, you know, I mean, this might sound a little bit gory, but he actually pours the blood onto the sin to dissolve it. And wherever the blood touches, it just dissolves sin. See, the blood's more powerful than the sin. It just dissolves it. It just disappears. It just goes, it's gone. It just dissolved. Where did it go? It just got dissolved. Some people call it the sea of his forgetfulness. The Bible talks about separating you from your sins as far as the east is from the west, where there is absolutely never again any, any mention of it again. You say, John, you don't know what I've done. God does. And when he offers you forgiveness, he offers to dissolve every single one of your sins and never confront you with them again. He said, but in this world, we'll have to, yeah, in this world, if you've broken the law, yeah, there's justice to be done here. Absolutely. In, in this world, you know, if you've done wrong, you're going to face a court. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. If you've done wrong here in this world, you're going to face a judge, and the judge is going to punish you for what you've done in this world, on this world. He said, but what about when I get to heaven? That's the difference. When you get to heaven, Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. And so because he paid the penalty for your sins, your judge in heaven, if you've asked for forgiveness, has dissolved your sins and never, ever, ever, ever will they confront you again. Never, ever, ever will you stand before God and have to give an account of your sins that have been forgiven. He said, but doesn't the Bible says we have to give an account? Yeah, you have to give an account for what you did with all the talents and gifts that God has given you. Absolutely. You have to give an account for how you help people, how you ministered rightly, how you did good in that. But what, but, but what about the fact that, you know, I, I did this really, really bad thing in 1963. God will never, ever bring that before your, your situation ever again if it's been forgiven, it's been dissolved, it's been washed, it's been blotted out, it's been removed. Oh, how beautiful it is to be forgiven. How beautiful it is. And I just love the story in Luke chapter 7 starts, I think, in verse 36 about this woman. And, and the Bible does not give her a name. The Bible just talks about her as a sinner. And the Bible gives us indication that everybody in the town knew her as a sinner. But this lady somewhere had heard about Jesus being able to forgive sins. She knew she was a sinner, but she desperately wanted to be forgiven. 
And so she goes and finds him. He's at, he's at this Pharisee's house. He's at this religious person's house. And she, in, in, in any circumstance, wouldn't dare go into the house. But something motivates her. What motivates her? This desire of needing to be forgiven. And the Bible tells us that when she finds Jesus, he's reclining at table eating. He's, she, she just falls at his feet. And she has an alabaster flask of very expensive oil and she breaks it and pours it out on his feet and starts weeping over him and starts touching and kissing his feet. Do you know when I was reading that passage, I thought, how would I feel if some woman comes to my place at dinner time and starts kissing my feet? And you know what? Jesus never shrugged her away. He never pushed her. He, he didn't feel embarrassed by a scenario that would make me feel embarrassed. I mean, I'm cringing 2,000 years later, you know, trying to, trying to sort of just drop into the scene. I just love reading the Bible and sort of dropping in and creating the picture and, and seeing the faces of these Pharisees just wanting fire to burn through this woman. And, 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 but, but I'm also seeing the, the eyes of this woman just so penitent, so desperate to be forgiven. And her only means of forgiveness is this man who calls himself the Son of God that's forgiven others. And she swore what it was like to see the forgiveness in the eyes of others and said, this is what I need. I need, I need to start again. I need somehow to have all the stuff that I regret, all the stuff that I'm ashamed of, all the stuff that is loading me down and consuming me and hindering me from moving into a pure future. I need it dealt with. And she sought him. She found him. She embraced him. She kissed him. And he forgave her. Washed her clean. Dissolved every single one of those sins. And she left that house a pure woman. And we're still speaking about it 2,000 years later because that is the power of forgiveness. And the third word in this passage, redemption, forgiveness, is grace. Oh, what a beautiful word grace is. How marvelous grace is. I love the word grace. And here it is in this passage where it says, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us. I think the old King James talks about the riches of his grace, which he lavished. Lavished. I love that word, lavished upon us. His grace is rich. And his grace is lavished upon us. 
too often we just live expecting just the droplets. Just, just a little droplet of his grace. And God says, I've got a fountain of grace that I want to lavish upon you. Say, John, what's grace? Oh, the simple definition is unmerited favor. But grace is always given from those with power to those without power. And for us to understand that in the whole scheme of things, in the universe and in eternity, we don't have any power. And he has all the power. Wow. And he looks at us and he says, let me, the powerful one, show grace to you, the weak one. And he just begins to pour it out. Pour it out. Forgiveness. Love. Acceptance. Adoption. But God, you don't know what I've done. I do. But I remember forgetting. Pouring it out. Pouring it out. Pouring it out. Pouring it out. And some of you are living on the edges of His grace. Some of you have been so damaged and bruised through life that you don't feel worthy of receiving the outpouring of lavished love. But he's calling you and he's welcoming you and saying, come from the edges to the center of my grace. Come from just playing on the edge of the stream to the depths of the river. To understand the depth of my grace and my love and my acceptance and my bounty that exists for you who have been redeemed. Oh, the story of the prodigal son is a story. If we can use the analogy of the prison, there he was in the prison house. There he was in the pig pen, in his slime, in his grime. But he heard the voice calling him out, In my father's house, there is grace. And he came out, and when he found the father, when he found him, embraced him, covered him, put the best robe on his shoulders. Put the ring of authority on his finger. Put the sandals of a new walk on his feet and smothered him with kisses. Love, grace, come from the edges into the center of the river of God. Come into the center of his grace because that's where blessing abides. Don't live on the edges. Some of you, some of you, some of you have spent your whole Christian life speaking words of I'm unworthy I'm a worm I'm small and insignificant and you've only received just a few droplets of blessing but it's time to come from the edges into the center of his lavish 
grace. God wants to lavish His grace upon you. He wants to open the windows of heaven and pour grace and mercy, kindness, acceptance, forgiveness into your life, smother you with kisses, smother you with love, embrace you. That is the blessing that He has for you. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, today we are just... We're moved. We've just caught little glimpses of your love. Little glimpses of your desire for us. And Lord, it just it just melts us. And so, Lord, today I just pray. I pray first of all for people that are in the prison house of sin. Lord, I pray for them today that they might hear your voice saying, come out of the prison house into my light. Come out of captivity into freedom. Come out of darkness into acceptance. And Lord, and I just pray that today they might hear your voice and step out into the world of God's love. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 